Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Throttle Timepieces. You can enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to save 15% off every single one of your purchases. And we're going to have some giveaways down the road with those guys as well. On board with us is also Tear-Off Gaskets. Same discount code saves you 15% on Tear-Off Gaskets. And we're also looking to try and get a discount code with our friends over at Phoenix Handlebars. Uh, Jason Gerald over there helping us with that. All three of those guys on on board, as well as Fox Racing Canada and Fox Moto down in the states. Uh, big fan of mine is Austin Austin Hoover over at Fox. He's been helping us out. I am your host Brad Gebhardt. This being episode seven hundred or eight hundred and eighteen of the Big Mix Radio podcast. And I don't know where what time it is wherever you're listening to this right now. But it is time to talk about throttle timepieces with the big boss, with the hot sauce, the creator and the innovator of all things that keep time. Uh, it goes by the name of Bruce Hackinson. Bruce, how's it going? Good, good, Brad. How are you? Hey, I'm not doing too bad, my friend. And I think the only thing maybe more finely constructed uh, than the, the, the throttle timepieces was that intro. That was pretty good, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you, you you did a darn good job, Brad. <laughs> We're bobbing and weaving. We're talking about motocross here. We love it on the podcast, and uh, I'm really excited to just throw down with you, and uh, and do some bench racing on top of introducing people uh, to throttle timepieces. We've I've talked about them on the podcast a couple of times, just sort of uh, previewing uh, the the product itself, but. For you, you've never been on this podcast yet. This will not be your first time. You will, or this will be your last time. You will be a repeat offender on the Big MX Radio podcast. Supercross is in the rearview mirror. We're going to talk about outdoor motocross shortly. But before we get to that, why don't we unbox and unpackage uh, the 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 who of who the heck is is Bruce Hackinson and, and how did he get introduced to motocross and fall in love with it so much so. Did he create a business around the community? Yeah, so I started. Um, I guess it's kind of, it's kind of the old the old story, you know. We all had the dad who used to ride pretty much. Um, so my dad rode when he was a kid, and then um, you know, after you know, me and my sisters were born, the dirt bikes kind of went away. And then um, I remember him kind of taking me for a ride on, I was probably maybe three years old, and he had a 1970 Hutaka Ace 100. I don't know if any, I don't know what percentage of your listeners are going to know what that is, uh, but look it up. They were cool. Chrome they Gas were super paint, cool. They were like standard. the first full-blown, like, mini bike and big bike, but they were, they, they specialized in like the 100. They had like the Super Rat. And uh, the uh, uh, the combat wombat, the, the, these awesome, really cool bikes that were absolutely iconic throughout the mid seventies. I am so excited that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Hell yeah! Um, so dude, yeah, so my dad had a he had a super rat Ace 100, and he took me for a ride on it when I was like three, and I remember being that. And uh, I mean, through my whole childhood, I wanted a dirt bike, wanted a dirt bike, but you know. I just, you know, we never got one. And uh, so after years and years of breaking down, my dad actually finally went when I was uh, when I was 13. He went and he got that super rat, and uh, we were living in New Hampshire. I was 
born and raised pretty much in Connecticut. And then when I was 10, we moved to New Hampshire. So from 10 to 15, I lived up there. But when we were up there, he ended up getting the super wrap from my grandpa's house and, and bringing it up. And uh, I started riding on that thing and I rode some of the sand pits up in uh, New Hampshire. And the uh, the old Hodaka, man, she, she probably only lasted for about five hours before she blew up. And then uh, uh, being that they hadn't been in business so many years, we couldn't get parts. So um, my dad agreed that uh, if I had got a little part-time job, that we'd go 50-50 on a brand new KX100. So I actually believe the date, Brad, was December 8th, 1998. I got a brand new 99 KX100, and uh, and that was it, man. I remember like bringing it home and starting it up for the first time, and it was like a real two-stroke. It wasn't like a 1970s two-stroke, and it was cool. And that was it, man. I was I was hooked after that. I was into it before. You know, I'd watch the races on TV and record them on VHS and, and just kind of run them till the VHS tapes were uh, were pretty much no good anymore. But once I got on that thing, man, that was it. And I, I was hooked, and I've basically been hooked ever since. Amen, brother. You're preaching to the choir. Throughout the, the 90s, especially late 90s into the early 2000s, the bike to be on. As much as people, uh, they love their red bikes, Hondas have always been popular. The bike to be on, a Kawasaki 100, super mini, the big wheels, longer wheelbase, fast as all heck. Uh, yours would have had the single-sided shroud. I had the like I, I was one of the only kids locally that had a double-sided shroud mini bike. Like that was the, the cool thing, even though it only had the, the radiator on the one side. That was just such a cool look. Um, guys like Ricky raced those when they were on uh, uh, little bikes. James was on those things at the time. Uh, that is so iconic and uh, cool that we we both we both brought got brought up on the Quackers. And uh, I imagine probably uh, like were, were you like dressing yourself up, pretending like you're on Team PC, or, or what was the story there? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, the first thing that that was the deal. I I got the bike. And, um, you know, I didn't really have any gear on that Hudaka. Like, I just ran, uh, actually, Jankos. You know, if you remember Jankos, man, I'd run yeah. Jankos and, like, Airwalk wow. skater shoes. And uh, it's funny, on that Hudaka, the, the foot pegs were rubber-coated like a, like a passenger peg street bike. So there were, there were no teeth on it. So, like, I didn't have to worry about much, you know? So that when I got the 100, um, yeah, dude, I got Thor gear and I got a Bell helmet just like they were running uh, on, on Team PC there. And uh, it it was good times for sure. I could say that that whole that whole late '90s era was was pretty sweet for sure. The gear, the characters, the videos. I got uh, Revelation 199 for my 11th birthday at a Pizza Hut just a few doors down from where I currently live, <laughs> and I ran that thing until it would not play anymore. Like I said earlier, preaching to the choir, we speak the exact same language, even though you're from, you speak American and I speak Canadian, very similar languages mm -hmm. at, uh, at the least of times. But uh, I, yeah, like it was just such an amazing time. And I'll say this, I really feel like we were spoiled in the fact that we were like at the tip of the spear as far as two-stroke technology and we had the ability to like watch these videos like terra firma, Revelation 199, Steel Roots, all that stuff. And it came out at such a, like, like almost like such a slow, like, release that you have the opportunity to, like, watch and rewatch and sink your teeth into things 
Whereas now I feel like kids nowadays, they see like an Insta banger from Ken Roxon and, and then like, like every 45 seconds, there's like a new video coming out. Whereas we had like, literally I got the great outdoors for Christmas and that's my video for the next 12 months. Dude, what you said is, is like, so, so true there. Um, my first dirt bike video I bought, I bought from Depot Honda Kawasaki in um, New Hampshire. I went in there and I'm like, I didn't have a bike yet. I didn't have the Kawasaki yet, but I had to have a dirt bike. And I went in there and I bought Terra Firma 4 and I still have it. And I still throw it in every now and again. And that movie was, was awesome. Uh, was your first like dirt bike movie revelation or was it, was it earlier than that? It was Revelation 199. I started a bit late, and I think I'm a year or two younger than you. Uh, although, wait, are you an 88 too or no? I'm an 85. So okay, you're my, so... you're my young, younger sister's age. My youngest sister's 88. Okay, yeah. So actually, we're, we're swapped. I have an older sister who's an 85, and I'm an 88. So I was a couple of years behind you, and I started late. Um, so it was Revelation 199, and I also, on the same birthday, got the... Uh, Terra Firma Greatest Hits Volume 1, which was amazing because un completely unbeknownst to me, I'm watching the Terra Firma's like basically best hits from the last 10, almost 10 years in a row. So it was almost like a sub, like a, like accidental crash course in motocross history over that last decade uh, on a video that I think was more than like 45 minutes long. And I would just play it and play it and play it and play it again. So the best part was, is like you were just saying about the short Instagram video and you're kind of like almost desensitized to them. Me and you would sit there and I know you did it and we didn't discuss this, but like you'd see a clip of like, I don't know, let's just say like in Terra Firm 4, there's a, there's a clip of Wyndham on his Yamaha, like throwing a whip over, over this, you know, he's in the hills kind of, you know, before the, you, you know, when the hills were the hills. And yeah, like, they went to Ocotillo, I, I think. Yeah, I'd rewind it watch it again rewind it watch like that same part i would just go over because i'm like man he's hanging off the bike and i'd anal i'd analyze it for like 20 minutes just be like, how is he doing this what's he doing and just you know hanging off the side of the, and I, it was cool man and it was it was different because we didn't have you know all all the media you know you had your five or six vhs vhs tapes you had and there's only so many clips in there you know i feel like if you spend six hours on instagram you'll see more clips you know, individual clips on Instagram all day than you would if you had four VHSs, you know? Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, there's basically endless amounts of content to be able to, to just uh, pour over, whether it be YouTube or Instagram. And, and there's new stuff coming out all the time because nowadays, like, the, the, the camera you have in your iPhone is comparable probably to uh, better than anything that the that a terra firma was shot with like those like they were probably eight, they were filming with eight eight mil count uh like eight millimeter uh lenses and stuff like that but um it 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 was it was very much in its infancy and the the ability to be able to like uh capture it edit it and upload it like i could probably have a two minute long segment um edited and, and up on Instagram in one evening, whereas like Terra Firma was almost like a, a year in the making every single year. And those were so cool. Uh, and I think honestly, like I said, I think we really got spoiled by that stuff because there's just so many cool things to see. And, and now looking back at it, like at the time I didn't, maybe didn't even realize 
how next level a lot of that stuff was because a lot of it uh, that I was watching actually happened sort of before the time that I was watching it. Like guys like Mike Metzger, like he has that one segment where he's on number 65 on a Kawasaki. Like he's throwing the bike completely sideways at a time when nobody was like, that was completely unheard of. Yeah, dude. I mean that, that whole thing was cool. And I still like to this day, I still get pretty jazzed up when I hear that, like, you know, somebody's going to re- release a, a video dropping today. Like, you know, video dropping today, video dropping today, and I, and I get like, I still get pumped. Like, it's a new Terra Firma coming out, uh, and then I watch them, and they're usually you know five, seven minutes long, and they're awesome. And I'm like, man, if you guys could only just like make a full video again, where I could sit down and like and watch it, like I would be really pumped. Uh, I think like the last time I got really excited for that was like one of Twitch's movies, um, uh, 420% all natural. That was like a great clip. Yeah. And then Jay Schweitzer with all his on the pipes and, uh, the on the pipes were pretty solid. I'll have to say that, especially I think on the pipe five with, uh, with Josh Grant, when he was switching from uh, his 250 days to on the 450, that was pretty good. And he was in the dunes just hucking, like, massive stuff. And then, yeah, the last one he came out with, uh, I think he filmed it in 2016, 2016, 27 on the Pipe 7. I was so excited, like, when that came out. I'm like, yes, like a 45-minute video of, like, all these different riders. And I, you know, he downloaded it off Vimeo or whatever. And you just, I, I, it's funny. I was, you know, I just sat there. I, I come home from work and I crack it on for 45 minutes, like, you know, I'm like, this is great. It reminds me of being a kid. And uh, I wish, I mean, I hope that a lot of these guys start doing that again. You know what I mean? If 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 I had the capability to ride like them, then maybe I would. But that's not the case. You know what I mean? But I still look forward to it. You know what I mean? I, 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 I still love it. And I still love watching all this stuff. Dude, tell me about it. Honestly, like I find myself telling all of these like top flight pros. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've told Colt Nichols. On this podcast, Colt, I want to see a two-stroke edit. I don't care. Like I, I like I, I'm like completely your safety aside. I want to see you on a 125 or 252 stroke, wide open, no music. And he did it for that one. Uh, it was like a, there's a uh, premix uh, video that came out from Transworld a couple of years ago. He was on a his first year with Star. He did it uh, when he was number 69. But like it just <clears throat> so like I, I love that and honestly I wonder if nowadays like say like when we watched those we were between the ages of like say 11 and 16 I wonder if that age group today would still be able to sit down and listen maybe watch like say one of the, the newer versions of the Moto the movie like Moto 7 or Moto 8 when it came mm-hmm. out and, and be able to watch that and like get that same sort of like goosebumps I want to watch that again feeling that we got from, from the terra firmas and the steel roots and the chapter twos and like, uh, like the, the adventures of twitch and scummy and all that fun stuff. Cause like, it seemed like back then there was like 10 or 12, uh, full length videos that you could choose from almost every year. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I don't know. I would, I, I could, I'll have to do my research and get back to you on that. Cause my buddy's got a, bunch of kids that ride and uh i'm curious if, if i'd be like brought an old video and they watched it you know if they get into it or not but i mean i think once you're like 
like into it and like you get hooked on riding, I think, yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like you're going to see a clip and you're going to be like, that makes me want to ride. Like I want to go out and ride, you know? And, uh, and, and I think that's just such a cool part of the sport, you know, where you do, you still like, you know, I'm 36 now and I still look at clips. I'm like, man, I want to go out and ride. I haven't even gotten out this year yet, which is kind of like a bummer to me because life kind of gets in the way. And I, I do, I flipped her Instagram. I'm like, man, I got to get out and ride. I got to get out and ride. I got to get and ride. So if it's like that for me and I'm 36 and I've been at it for 20 something years, it's got to be like that for, for kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 still, you know, there's, there's no way there isn't, you know, or, or um, I, I think the sport would be, uh, would be dying off a little bit. For sure. And yeah, like there's the, on the mini bike side of things, like, uh, like super minis and lower, I feel like that community is basically, uh, essentially like almost untouched from where it was when we left it when we grew out of those motorcycles like uh the, not only are the bikes very similar but uh maybe the mindset of a few kids here and there have changed but I, I think the core love for the sport uh when you first get introduced to it is very much still there still uh very very vibrant and uh i, I that's what i love about the sport is that it really sinks its teeth into you and uh, it the the memories and the moments that you collect at the age of 13 are still fueling the fire when you're 36 or 32 or whatever it happens to be. And the, the beauty of motocross in, in my mind is that, uh, it, it it's not about uh, how fast you can go. Obviously uh, you want to be the fastest guy at the track. Uh, most days you want to be able to, uh, uh, ride to the best of your ability. But what I love about motocross is that the gate drops for absolutely everybody. If you've got a machine, You've got the right riding gear. You pay for your your uh, registration. You line up. The gate drops for you. And I used to always joke that because I was slower than everybody else, I'd get more track time than anyone. So that's just value. That's all that is. So uh, yeah, like uh, I can't say enough good things about the sport. That's why I'm still involved in it, and that's why you developed a business around it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely, definitely well said. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean when I when I kind of wanted to start uh, throttle timepieces, I still wanted to kind of be, you know, in involved in the sport. I actually had to take, I took, um, I didn't ride pretty much from 2011 till 2017. Uh, and I, and I really missed it. Like I, I, I really missed, you know, being around it, being at the track. And like, I think the thing too is, is what you get from it as well as like the camaraderie of it which is a cool part which for me i haven't gotten in anything else i played in bands and i've done this and done that and like the the camaraderie between motocross guys is, is very cool and it's almost i always compare it to and this is you know not in the context of anything but kind of going to war a little bit war is obviously a completely different story than than motocross but when you're out there and uh, you know the, the 40 rider gate and you go racing and stuff like you're kind of at war and like when you guys get out of there and everyone's okay, it's like, you know, you build these friendships and these, and these camaraderies with the riders. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's very cool. And, uh, and you miss it when you don't have it and you can't do it for a long time. Like you really, really miss it. And you miss, you know, uh, meeting new people. Cause you do, I, there's, I haven't met as many new people as I do as when you're at the track, you know what I mean? And, and, and you're kind of in your community and, and it's easy to talk to people about it. You know what I mean? So you see a guy with a, a new bike or a new part, you go up and the next thing you know, you get a lifelong friend, you know, so it's cool. So with the business, you know, I have other interests too, which are wrapped into it, but you know, I wanted it to be like, 
as well as like, all right, like I, I want to gear this towards motocross as well. Cause it has and motocross has given me, and I know you too, it's not only just like a sport and something to do on the weekend, but the life lessons you've learned from it are just, they're incredible. You know, you learn hard work, you learn dedication, um, you learn sacrifice, you, hell, you learn how to budget your money too. You know what I mean? So, yeah, parts you are know, expensive. It's such, it's such a, yeah, they are, man. You know, parts, entry fees, travel, fuel, the whole thing. So I just wanted to, to, to wrap this kind of whole thing, you know, around those types of communities and, and, and kind of still be involved in the moto community, you know? Dude, you're, you're, you're hitting every single spot. And I think what it really comes down to is a mutual respect between riders. Like this, this is a sport where you hurl yourself as well as a 200-pound motorcycle through the air uh, hoping to land on a poached stamp size spot of the sweet spot of a landing uh, to make things buttery smooth and, 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 and compete to the best of your ability and whatever that happens to be. And I think that that like sort of that camaraderie and that respect level is, is the reality that everybody like is, is pushing their absolute limit. You're, you're riding the track to the best of your ability. And when you're dri- riding, like you're driving out of the track and you see somebody that maybe you saw out there on the track or you maybe you didn't even see them. You just kind of like lock eyes with that person. You give them a little nod. You give them a wave just as a sign of respect. You're like, hey, man, like you came out here like risking life and limb uh, to enjoy your sport. And I'm doing the exact same thing. And I, I think there's a serious amount of respect there. And uh, uh, and the fact that we do is take the time, the, spe- the time and the money and everything it takes uh, to, to race a dirt bike. Because uh, what it really comes down to is being able to overcome fear and and, uh, and and basically coming to terms with the reality of the sport is that it's a dangerous one. And uh, like mastering the skill, like because everybody starts at, at uh, day one, when everyone sucks and they can't keep they can't keep the bike up in a flat corner to save their life and they don't completely understand how the clutch works and this that and the other thing and you and you rise to whatever level you get to and I think that's cool. Um, there's there's a lot of respect among motocross racers regardless of speed and ability. Oh yeah, yeah no no for sure yeah anytime anytime you get out there especially now that I'm getting older too like I see guys that are like you know like 60 out on the track still and they're still ripping and I'm like holy crap you know what i mean i have i have the most respect for you and then i have a lot of respect for the for the younger kids too you know the kids that are 18 19 20 that are that are trying to go pro that are like you know just same thing they're going for it you know going for it all the time you know and that that's uh that's taxing as well so you know it's a it's cool man it's been a part of me it will it will always be a part of me no matter what so, like I said, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to just, just continue to be involved in it, you know, because there does come a, there comes a day, man, when you know everyone's got to hang up their boots, you know. But to, to still be around it, um, is, is, a, is a long-term goal for me, and this kind of gives me that, kind of gives me that uh, entryway into that still, you know. Definitely, that that's your avenue to continue to give back to the community through the through the release over the last uh, um, through the like recently with throttle timepieces. Uh, I've re- received five of these watches to my house. I absolutely love them, mainly because I'm not late for anything anymore because I know damn well what time it is. Plus, I'm looking good when I get there. Tell me about wanting to bring something to the community to sort of galvanize things, bring people together based around one product. Why is it a, a, a beautiful timepiece? And, uh, and and sort of tell me a little bit about the genesis of creating this, because it must have been a fun project for you from the very get-go. 
Yeah, um, it was. I've kind of always wanted to uh, work for myself. I kind of always knew that, like that was kind of the goal, is to do that, and that's still the goal to get there. I still do have a full time job, and and uh, and throttles full time in itself as well. But you know, creating, you know, this company, like I said, there was a, there was a ton of sacrifice that had to be done to make it happen. Um, I don't come from a family of you know multi gajillionaires, so. Essentially, you know, what I had to do to, to get the funding to do this without, you know, going to banks and getting loans and paying all sorts of interest was I was like, all right, well, if I want to do this, I'm going to sell my house. And uh, I had some equity in the house. I was like, let me let me sell my house and I'll move back with my dad for a little bit. And um, and, and I'll use that money to start this company. And that's basically what I did. And uh, as a kid. I will, um, I got my first watch when I was, uh, I, I believe I was 12, either 11 or 12. And I was, uh, and I, I still had trouble telling my right from my left. And my, um, and my mom was like, we're going to get you a watch and I don't even care. You're going to put it on your right hand. And that way you're going to know your right from your left. And she got me a little Timex from Walmart for like 15 bucks. And, um, and I had a right, I had a watch on my right arm and I still have the watch on my right arm till this day. And that's, that was kind of it. I've always had watches and then, you know, went from having just, you know, Timexes as a kid and you're out riding your bike and, you know, be home by five or whatever. And then as you get older, they kind of just become a part of you. And, and once you kind of get bit by the watch bug, you, you get bit by it and you have a ton of them. So by the time I, you know, was 25, 26, you know, you have 20, 30 watches. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I was like, I, I want to start my own watch brand. Cause I, cause I love them. I just want to make them. And uh, so I sold my house to get the funding to do it. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, what kind of watch brand do you want to start? Well, I'm like, well, you know, I like obviously motocross and, you know, I'm in the hot rods too. I got a old 51 Ford uh, pickup truck that I built. I'm like, let me take these, you know, kind of these two communities and, you know, all the things that I like, you know, someone once said, you know, your best business is the one that's an extension of your personality. So I like motocross. I like hot rods. I like music and I like working on stuff. So I'm like, let me bring that, you know, in, into these watches. And I kind of just, I designed them, you know, kind of just based on what I think, you know, all those things pulled together would have been. Um, and then, yeah, man, that's the other thing too, you know, was the design. These are all 100% custom design time pieces. I designed them all. They are not private labeled by any means, you know. Um, so I designed every aspect of them. I did the R&D and I had them manufactured. And then, uh, and then here we are. We, uh. We launched the 550, which is our first time piece. We launched on um, Cyber Monday, 2019, and then the world shut down shortly after. So we haven't really been able to get out to many uh, trade shows or anything like that to kind of meet you guys. But uh, that's that's coming down the pipeline, hopefully here pretty soon, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, starting a business, it's, it's interesting. And like I said, going back to that motor, you, you learn about sacrifice, you know, having a sell a house that I had worked for and then completely gutted and renovated and uh you know having to sell that kind of something you put all your time and effort into and uh sweat equity per se was was a hard decision but um I think it was a good one at the same time definitely you have something you can can commit yourself to jump in with both feet and uh and create something release that to the world and, and hope that people uh appreciate what it is that you're creating and i think that you've done a fantastic job with that what has been uh the most fun part of this and uh and i i assume that there's uh it's been like a positive um basically welcome 
from the riding community. Uh, pe- people like, like I often say, motocross is a fashion show. You got to look pro and go slow, bro. Uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. I, I, you can you can certainly do so. Showing up to uh, uh, the track with a with a big round faced watch uh, around your wrist and uh, looking pretty good when you step out of the truck. Yeah, man, that's uh, 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 that's that's for sure. Um, I would. It's funny you say that because I used to live by that, uh, you know, for a long time. I was like, you know, if I'm not gonna be fast, I'm gonna look cool. You know what I mean? So I spent a lot of time polishing my bike for many, many years. But uh, I'd say the coolest part was um, was was getting these things. You know, once I had the design made and I had the preliminary drawings made and I had 3D uh, 3D renderings done. And I had some experience, like I said, I worked at an engineering firm for quite some time and uh, I had some experience, you know, drafting and all that. So between that and then hiring a graphic designer, Brandon, uh, who actually, he's, he's a really cool kid. He lives kind of, he lives in Lake Elsinore, so he's kind of in the heart of motocross and uh, he's not a motocross guy. And I always tell him how lucky he is to be in that area. But uh, yeah, Brandon helped me uh, make these 3D models and then, um, you know, finding a manufacturer that, that suited my needs. And then uh, when I got my first sample in of the 550, I remember getting them and being like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I'm, I'm making this happen. Like, I, I, I had this idea in my head and I, I put it on paper. And then for paper, you know, I sent it off. And now I have something physical in my hand that, that was in my mind, you know, not, not too far, you know, before that. So I'd say that that was the coolest thing is like once you like create this thing and you actually have something physical in your hand to show that was hands down like one of the, the probably the the top moment um of uh, of starting this for sure that is way too cool man i love to hear the pro the like the process of how something goes from concept to developing to all of a sudden you have something that you can really offer to the world and then you start to tweak it from there. And uh, in my like in my eyes, like I, I love the watch the way it is, but I, I see your business in such a infantile state. If you're just getting going, like we're scratching the surface with this stuff. And uh, and that's a really exciting time for, for people to get involved and, and sort of uh, jump on board as far as, uh, like you said, starting that collection of watches, uh, which with you, you've had uh sort of like the the watches you have right now it's it's essentially uh you've got different colorways and you have sort of different color combos that that people can choose from but i assume with time uh your catalog will will start to grow on top of the fact that you also have uh some some apparel uh to come along with uh with the watches that you carry yeah i actually have um i have two other timepieces uh uh designed right now as well um, so those are, uh, those are going to come down the line here sometime in the future too, with little tweaks. Um, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the goal is to just, just release these things, you know, every couple of years, you know, as, as the business grows, it'll be a couple of years and then hopefully it'll be less than that, you know, the time in between, but release, you know, a, a cool, you know, affordable timepiece that, that really captures that lifestyle of you know kind of what we all love to do like i said you know whether you're in a motocross you know you're in the hot rod you're in the mechanics you're in the, just that you know i feel like that whole thing all goes together you know what i mean so that's 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 kind of the goal is to just keep creating these things you know and 
and I wanted to create, you know, a nice lifestyle timepiece that people weren't going to spend, you know, 1500 bucks on, you know what I mean? I, I wanted to create something that everyone can have. And, you know, you look at your, you look at your wrist, you know, the time and that's it. And, and the other thing too is, you know, you pull your cell phone out to look at your time, but then you see, you know, text messages from your girlfriend or your boss or your emails that you missed blah, 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 blah. and it's like, no, dude, I just wanted to know what time it was. That was it. So I kind of want to bring that that old schoolness back to it too, you know? Absolutely. A very minimalist design, clean and sleek. And uh, how about we uh, we put, put one on somebody's wrist starting right now. If you're listening to this podcast, jump on over to Instagram, Big MX Radio Instagram page. We're going to do a contest giveaway. We're going to combine this with an Instagram giveaway. All you got to do, you got to follow myself, Big MX Radio, you better already be following. If you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow me on Instagram on either one of my accounts, shame on you. You need to follow Throttle Time Pieces for all of their awesome updates and cool watches coming down the pipe. And you need to tag three friends in the post that we're going to have the the cap the the, the uh, giveaway for a brand new watch from Throttle Time Pieces. What is how does that sound, Bruce? I think that sounds good, man. I think that sounds really good. Should we uh, should we add maybe a little trivia question in there too, or or should we make it easy on them? Hmm. Well, I think you dropped it earlier, so I would say uh, maybe a bonus entry if you can name what uh, Bruce's first motocross video was. You might have to go back fifteen minutes. It's worth your time. See what I did there, and. You're gonna go uh, find out find out exactly uh, what video that was that uh, you first had within your grip and uh, and played it till the damn thing wouldn't play anymore and uh, and thankfully those things are on YouTube now but yeah for 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 a bonus entry uh, trivia contest and we'll uh, we'll add that to uh, to the Instagram for for those who want to if they if they say if they see the post and they haven't listened to the podcast yet they can come in here. They can listen to it and they can get that bonus entry uh, by naming what uh, what your first video that you received as a young one uh, was. And I, I think that's a, a great way to do that. That's beautiful. I like that, Brad. Boom, right? Just just flying by the seat of my pants here, pulling things out of my ass <laughs> uh, to do an awesome giveaway. I thank you so much for being able to do that, hooking up the Big MX Radio listeners. Basically, you just handed somebody who listens to Big MX Radio – you just handed them $125. Yeah. Which is it, cool. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's a cool thing to be able to do and to hook people up. So that and that's the the asking price of the of the watches um, at, on the website 125 USD uh, which actually is an even better value here in Canada cuz our dollar sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, get on there guys. I would, I would love to hear some people uh, browsing the watches and, and getting one from themselves and uh, do yourself a favor and enter the contest if you really want one of these things and, and we're, we're going to be able to hook you up uh, with the, the 100% off discount code, um, the one-time use so that you can get yourself a watch and, uh, and you can hook these guys up. I'm really excited about that, Bruce. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it'll be cool. It'll be nice to get uh, to get one of these on uh, on someone's wrist just for answering answering a little trivia and doing a little work. You know what I mean? I uh, I dig that quite a bit. And uh, yeah, it is. It's it's cool to give back. You know, when you when you get the opportunity to give back and give uh, give uh, give someone cool something, that's always a bonus too. You know. 
preach to the choir, my friend. Now, before I hang up on you, uh, which I don't actually plan on hanging up on you. I usually end the call <laughs> differently. Uh, if you're a loyal listener, you know exactly how I sign off these podcasts. I've done it over 800 times. Um, Outdoor Nationals is like on the, the cusp. We un- Unfortunately, yeah. it breaks my heart to, hear, to say this. I don't think that the two-stroke challenge or the uh, the 125 dream races are going to be back this year or anytime soon, which bums me out because you know I love to mix gas and haul ass. Um, mm-hmm. But let's talk 450s. Who, let, let's just talk championship. Who do you got? This is, might be the most wide-open 450 outdoor championship that I've ever – uh, I've ever watched with just so much talent and so many guys who have the potential to have a really, really good summer. What is your overall feeling uh, of who's going to be uh, the maybe the, the best contender for the championships? Because I could probably name you off six guys that are going to make some serious noise. It's like, that's like such, such, such uh, a tough question to answer. And then, I don't know, I... It's really tough. Um, I, I will say Southwick in 2016. I was there. I've been to the Southwick National basically every year since 99. And Tomac and Roxon, that was the fastest I've ever seen somebody ride that track before was those two that day. The battle they had, both motos, was epic. And I've seen Carmichael ride there, and I've seen Stuart ride there, and everyone in between there. And those two rode that track the fastest. So with that being said, I think – that Tomac still has quite a bit of steam in his tank and he is an outdoor specialist and with now I think it's confirmed right he is going to star racing star racing Yamaha he will like he is five months away from riding that thing full-time and between you and me I would not be surprised if I found out that there is a blue bike in Colorado somewhere yes so yeah, it's the that luxury of said, having a I very think, private riding facility. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that might be. I, I, I would really like to see. I like Tomac a lot. I think he's actually a good dude. He's he's quiet. He's very um, he's very humble, and uh, he, he's a, he's a very respectable uh, respectable guy. And I'd like to see him get one more outdoor championship uh, for Kawasaki. Uh, I think that'd be a good send off for both of them. Leave it on a high note. Um, and I mean, I mean, obviously he's going to have, you know, guys, guys on the sale, same thing with Roxon, like Roxon's a good dude too. You know, I'd like, I'd like to see him up there. Um, another dude I root for all the time and, and I wish, I don't know what it is. Maybe just a little tweet, Dean Wilson, like, you know, I, I like Dino a lot too. I think he's a good dude. He's goofy. He's cool. He puts in the work. I'd like to see Dino do well. Um, there's so there's so many guys, but if I had to give it to two, it, it would be kind of the two veterans there. That would be um, Roxon. I, I, this is me personally wanting to see them win. I'd like to see Roxon win another one, or uh, or uh, Tomac win another one. So, but and I think that might be hopefully good predictions. Hey, I I think you're 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 preaching like some really strong arguments there, man. Like I I like honestly like. Adam Cianciarillo is going to be fast. You like the one guy mm-hmm. you didn't mention is last year's champ. He's coming in with a ton of ton of time to uh, to prepare. Is Zach Osborne? Can he repeat? Can yeah. he back that up? Like that's yet to be seen. 
I didn't love mm-hmm. his 2021 prior to uh, getting hurt and exiting the series, but maybe he comes back. Like he had a he had a, basically a dreadful Supercross season last year, and then he came out and yeah. won, won the outdoors. So he's done it before. Uh, and then on top of that, yeah, you got Ken, who's who's got if he's racing the series. I, I believe he's racing the series. There's speculation that he's not going to race it, but I don't feel like he'd be in California, on the other side yeah. of the country of where he lives, testing and riding. Uh, and preparing for a series that he's not going to be racing. That just sounds like a lot of uh, wasted race gas uh, that Honda wouldn't be all that down for. I think that your 450, uh, one of the, like, uh, an emerging uh, contender is going to be Chase Sexton. He's going to be crazy fast. Uh, yeah. Last year, I believe, was it last year or the year before? It was la- the year p- before Cooper Webb goes 1-1. On uh, on a KTM prior to uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was after his title in, t- in 2019. So um, he's won some races outdoors. He's won a championship outdoors. Uh, Adam Cerullo, who knows what that guy brings? Like he's been he's had a kind of a myriad of injuries over this last year. But if he's healthy, I don't think there's anybody that's got more raw speed than than AC. And, and that just means that we have like a table set for like six guys. To uh, to decide what it's going to come for, then I, I I actually like your pick. I think that Eli Tomac, he's he's a he has a lot of pride, and I think that he had uh, his um, kind of he left Supercross with his tail between his legs, didn't win mm-hmm. didn't win many races, uh, going away uh, as a title defender. Um, we in, in recent history we haven't seen a lot of failed uh, defenses. Uh, that uh, that have gone well, and I think that uh, that his didn't go very well at all, by any means. Uh, so I think he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think he's got a little something to prove on the way out from Kawasaki. And uh, yeah, yeah. I and also let's let's be honest. We're both fans of our pickles, so that's just where our allegiances lie. I I, I like my green bikes, yeah. so I always have. That's why I've, I still have all mine. So yeah, I think I think uh, that's that's where we're at. I swap. I gotta say, man, I, I swapped the Hondas back in '01, and I've been I've been pretty uh I've been pretty loyal to them ever since. So okay. you know, so okay. I can't I can't be a hundred percent pickle. But I did one, you know, back in uh, the uh, later 2000s, I, I did have a slew of pickles myself. I had 06 kicks, 450. I had I a, rode that uh, bike. O- that was a good bike. Oh, horrible! Oh, fast, super fast, fast, decent suspension, like handle like an 18 wheeler. That thing. Yeah. yeah, do not try and corner that thing at all. <laughs> no, that, that some you, of the uh, like a, I gave yeah, you a three some, point some turn the, to get that thing going around a, a bull turn, but yeah, dude, some of the big, biggest chumps I ever hit were on that bike, and um, that, and then I had a 07 kx 250f, awesome bike. I had an 08, and I had a uh, I had two two oh nine, uh, and those were all, all all good bikes. If I was to probably get off Hondas, I would probably either go Yamaha or Kawasaki for sure. See, I, I, I still have kept my old Kawasaki two-strokes. Can't get rid of them just because they got too much sentimental as well as like every time that I see one on on a, a used bike site, those things are absolutely destroyed because the newest one is at this point 14 years old. That makes me feel yeah. old. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm currently riding a... a uh, an orange machine. Uh, sometimes we get along. Sometimes we don't. 
Uh, but uh, what I can say for sure is the two of us seem to uh, have quite the flow when it comes to uh, getting on the phone, chit-chatting. I believe the first time it was an impromptu phone call that lasted just over an hour, and this one is creeping up on an hour as well. So I, I, I would say that we got at least some good mojo going, and, and hopefully people listened all the way to now uh, to uh, to enjoy the podcast and, and uh, stuck around for the giveaway as well. So we want as many people uh, entering that as possible. And, uh, and I'm excited. This was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, we, it's funny. We should have recorded our, our phone call the other day. That would have been made for a great podcast, too, itself. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's good. I'm uh, I'm glad you had me on, and I'm, gl- I'm glad we're able to uh, to, to work together between uh, Big MX Radio and Toronto Timepieces. Um, and like I said, there's the, uh, you know, the options are endless. I, I would love to, to, you know, to get up with you and have an event you know, somewhere, you know, where, where, where both of us can sponsor something and have a ride day or, or put something on too. And that, and that's the cool thing, you know, when, when you have two people that have something that you, you can give back and create something, something really cool. So I'd like to do some type of event with you guys down the line, you know, and like I said, I'm not too far from Southwick and if we can get you out of Canada, I know you said you were, you were, uh, you always wanted to ride Southwick. So maybe we could make something happen here in the near future. Hey, as soon as I, I get all my vaccinations and hopefully everyone does the exact same uh, and, and, and we can uh, open up the border to not have to do any type of quarantining. I guess actually if I went to the States, I wouldn't have to quarantine. I just have to do it when I come back. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, um, like put, put the wheels in motion to, to tr- thinking about uh what we can plan to make something cool and special happen uh but bottom line this was a really fun conversation bruce uh i think i i got a lot out of it i hope my listeners got a lot out of it as well and uh like i said earlier uh i I made a prediction before our conversation really even started and saying that you were going to be a repeat offender on the podcast i think i've been proving myself right because this was a lot of fun yeah man i'll definitely come back on we'll uh We'll keep it rolling, and uh, you know we can get we can get deeper into into everything else. You know what I mean? There's uh, the stories keep keep on going. You know, oh, you just go back like a tooth, man. They go forever. Well, uh, for <laughs> those who are already following, if you've gotten this far, 45 minutes, 50 minutes into a podcast without following Throttle Timepieces on Instagram, give your head a shake. Uh, go do that. Uh, support the podcast. Uh, there, it's people like Bruce that keep this thing going and su- and uh, supplying you guys with be able to to have some cool giveaways and stuff like that. So support uh, the people who support the podcast, uh, especially just people who who love the sport and, and uh, spend a lot of time to to dedicate to it. I really appreciate you making the time today, Bruce. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate you having me on. This is uh this was it, it's wicked cool. Like I said, I love uh. I love kind of just talking trash and with old motocross dudes. Absolutely. We flowed like a rushing river today, my friend. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. <laughs>